as we've been learning in this series, God created you with a plan and a purpose. He wants your one life to matter, to make a difference, to make an impact, to affect someone. You may affect one other life, or you may affect countless other lives, but God has a plan and a purpose for you. And most people I know, as a matter of fact, I've never met anyone who says, I hope my life doesn't matter, I hope it doesn't amount to much, and I hope I don't make a difference uh, with the brief few years I have here on planet Earth. We all want our lives to matter, to make a difference, to know that somehow or other uh, we did something. And, uh, and so if God created us for a plan and a purpose, and he wants our lives to make an impact, and if that's what we want, why do so many of us feel when we look back on our lives or we look at where we are in life, say, I don't feel like I'm really making a difference. I don't really feel like my life is as impactful as I would like it to be. I don't really feel like I'm accomplishing the things that I want to accomplish for the Lord. I believe, and what we're learning in this series is because we have a whole bunch of excuses and insecurities that hold us back. Things like, I don't have anything to offer, I'm not gifted enough, I don't have the time or the resources, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, what if I fail, what if I mess up? Um, and, And so we allow these excuses to hold us back. And so in this series, we're looking at how to overcome those excuses and insecurities, and we started with the very first one, I don't know where I fit. And what we learned is that God created you to fit perfectly somewhere with natural gifts and talents and abilities, with a personality, with passions, and then he, he gives you spiritual gifts. And as a result, you're created to fit somewhere, to meet a need, and you need to find where that place is. Last week, we looked at a man named Barnabas and how he put down the excuse of, I don't have anything to offer, and he used what he had to serve and to give And it was a huge impact and made a huge impact in the early church. And he became, and he was known as the son of the great encourager because he encouraged people through his serving and through his giving. Now this morning, we're going to look at an excuse that a lot of us uh, sometimes allow, or maybe um, we don't even realize we're allowing it, but it's there at a, maybe a subconscious level to keep us from making a difference. And it's the whole idea of, okay, if I find where I fit, my gifts, my talents, my passions, my personality, all that stuff. And if I'm willing to leverage that to serve and to give to others, I I can do all that, Pastor, but I don't really believe it's going to make much of a difference. I don't think it's going to really matter anyway. I don't think it's going to move the needle, make much of a dent, or really create any kind of positive outcome. So why bother. Why bother doing it? Because it's not going to matter. It's almost a fatalistic mentality. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And so what can I really do about it? And because I don't feel like I can do anything about it, I don't bother trying. And therefore, I don't make the impact that I want to make. And it's not that you don't care. You care deeply. You care. You see this and you say, I care about it. I see the problem. I just don't believe I can be part of the Solution, I see the need, I just have no idea how I can help meet the need. I see the hurt, but I don't think I can be part of the healing. There's nothing that I can do that's going to really make a difference, so why bother? And I believe it holds so many of us back as we look at the needs around us, we look at the challenges and the difficulties in life, and they seem insurmountable. And as a result, it keeps us for making the impact that God wants us 
to make. So this morning, we're going to look at a man in the Old Testament by the name of Gideon. So if you're not familiar with his story, let me give you a little background. Gideon lived in the time uh, in the nation of Israel known as the Judges. So a number of years before that, the people of Israel had been in bondage and captivity to the Egyptians. And God sent a great deliverer named Moses. Moses delivered the people from Egypt and led them through the wilderness right to the promised land, the land that he had promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses leads the people there. And for 40 years, he leads them. And they're there waiting to enter into the promised land. And then Moses dies. And Moses' right-hand man, his assistant Joshua, succeeds him as the leader of the people. And Joshua leads them from the edge of the promised land into the promised land. And God gave the people clear instructions. When you enter in, there are people that are living there. And you need to drive them out. Because for 400 years, one of the reasons God waited 400 years to bring them there is because for 400 years, he showed those people grace. For 400 years, he said, I want them to change. And for 400 years, they lived in worse and worse and worse ways until God said, part of you going into that land is you're going to be my instrument of judgment on those people. Now you say, that seems harsh. Well, God is just. He gave them 400 years. And so the people come in. They're supposed to drive all the inhabitants out, but they don't. They leave some of them. And then Joshua dies. And when Joshua dies, there is no single leader of the people. God raises up judges who lead the people at different times. But this is what it says about those that were left in the land. And we're going to start in Judges chapter 2. God is speaking. He says, I will no longer drive out before the people of Israel any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. Instead, I will use those that remain as a test to Israel to see whether they will keep the way of the Lord. So you've got these challenges now, these people that need to be driven out. God says those challenges, those difficulties, those trials, those tests are an opportunity. And so one of the people, groups that are left there are the Midianites, and they're wreaking havoc on the people of Israel. And this is where we pick up Gideon's story. So an angel shows up and says this um, to to Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a great welcome. I'm waiting for an angel to show up and say that to me. Show off my guns. Uh, Yeah, there you go. You know, push it real. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, uh, but if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening? The Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of the Midianites. God's not with us. Nothing's happening. We're, we're, We're in bad shape. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? You call me a mighty warrior. I'm not a mighty warrior. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. What difference can I make? It won't matter what I do. I can't make a difference. But the first thing we learn, if you want to put down that excuse, you have to see trials, difficulties, struggles is this. Every trial is an opportunity to make a difference. If it's a trial, a struggle, a difficulty in your life or in the life of someone that you know, an opportunity uh, to make a difference in their life, in the community, in the uh, local church that you're a part of, 
Every trial, every difficulty, every challenge is an opportunity to make a difference. It's a test. It's a test. What will you do with this? And when this test is there and Gideon is presented with it, this trial, what does he do? He plays the I can't make a difference card. Won't matter. Look at my background. Look at my standing. Look at where I come from. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm not even a warrior. I'm, I, I've got nothing that will make a difference. Even if I try this, what strength do I have? It won't make a difference. And if you think it won't make a difference, think again, because there's always a difference to be made. If you will step out in faith, if you will say, okay, I see this need, I see this challenge, I see this difficulty, and I'm gonna do something about it. The problem is, what happens for most of us is we look at the need, the challenge, the difficulty, and we look at ourselves, and we say, I can't do this. It's what, it's what Gideon said. I, I can't do this. I can't make a difference. What happens is we take a part of the equation, the most important part of the equation out. We look at the need, and we look at us and go, I can't do anything about that. The need is greater than me. But we take God out of the equation. The need might be great, and you might not be, but God is greater than everything. So if you take God out of the equation and feel like I can't make a difference, you may be right. But if you put God back in the equation, all of a sudden, you, which is way down here, and God, who's way up there, can meet any need. It's not what you bring to the table. It's bringing what you have on the table to God. And that's what, that's what Gideon had to learn. But the first thing you have to do is say, okay, there's a need, there's a trial, there's a difficulty. And it's an opportunity to make a difference. It's an opportunity to make an impact. If you simply look at it as, I can't do anything about it, you know what? You never will. That's the reality of it. I can't make a difference and you never will. If you're looking for something that's so small that you can do it on your own, um, it's not really a great need. If you're looking for something that's so big that you know you can't tackle it on your own, then there's an opportunity to make a huge investment. So this is uh, the next part of the story. Now, this is when the angel first showed up, and I just wanted to go back and read this. So uh, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah uh, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Remember that. It's very important. And why was he doing that? To keep it from the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the hands of Midian. Am I not sending you? So to understand this, here's Gideon. And the angel says, you're a mighty warrior. This is the mighty warrior hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat to hold on to the little bit that he has. So in the ancient times, when you would thresh wheat, you would take the wheat, you'd break it up. And so the chaff uh, that was surrounding the wheat kernel would separate. And then you'd kind of take a blanket and do this. And the chaff would blow off and you'd be left with the kernel of wheat. Uh, normally, you'd, you'd hope that the breeze would be there and blow the, the chaff away. But he is in a wine press. Now, in ancient times, wine presses were dug into the ground. They were normally somewhere uh, four to five feet deep. Um, and, and then they had walls around them. So there's no breeze there. He's, he's threshing the wheat in the wine press because he's scared of the Midianites. He would rather hold on to what he has. And the angel says, you're a mighty warrior. And he said, I'm not a mighty warrior. But the angel says, go in the strength that you have. You have something. 
I don't have much strength. Look at my background. I can't make a difference. You have something. Will you use what you have? So the next thing is this. If you want to put down the excuse of not being able to make a difference, you need to realize that every, every, every step of faith matters. When you step out in faith, you're saying, okay, God, I'm not just going to believe that my ability is what's important. I'm going to step out in faith and use what I have for you. I'm going to step out in faith and say, okay, this seems impossible. I know what I have. I know my strength. The angel says, go in the strength you have. He's like, I don't have strength. I'm hiding. I'm scared for my life. I don't have strength. And he says, you have something, and I'm telling you to go. Go and do this. Go and do this. Go and do this. Gideon had to get to the point where he would say, will I trust that if I step out in faith, God will be faithful, that God will do something beyond what I can do? But so often we only look at what we can do. I don't have strength. I don't have power. I don't have time. I don't have resources. I don't have training. I don't have, you could fill in the blank. And because you don't have enough of what you think it is you need to have, you sit there and go, I see the need. I know it's an opportunity, but I can't make a difference. Somebody else will have to do this. And then we wonder why nothing changes. So at some point, we have to get to this reality. You must see trials as what God can do through you, not simply what you can do. Gideon had to get to the point where he said, there's a great need, and I want my life to make a difference. I want it to be used. I know what I have. You say, go in the strength I have. I don't have much strength, but God, I'm going to trust that you can do something through me. It's not simply what I can do, because if it's just what Gideon could do, there wasn't going to be much of an impact. But so many of us look at what we have, we see a need, we see a trial, we see a difficulty, we see an opportunity, and we say, what difference can I make? I mean, okay, I've got some gifts or talents or ability, but what we think is, it's not going to really matter. And so we hold back. We, we, we look at our, our resources and say, you know, my tithe, it's not going to really make a difference. So we don't give. We, we look at the, the needs around us and we say, I only have a little bit of time. I can give an hour a week, maybe two hours a week. What difference is that going to make? And so we look at what we have to offer and we fail to realize that God will move through what we offer and multiply it and increase it and empower it And so we miss the opportunities for our lives to make an impact. So the first thing we need to see is that every time there's a challenge in life, especially when we see it outside of ourselves, it's an opportunity to make a difference. Secondly, we need to know that every time you take a step of faith, it matters. It always matters. And so Gideon says, okay, uh, God, you're asking me to do this. I'm going to trust you. Now, Gideon has this interesting exchange with God. He's like, uh, I really want to step out in faith, but I need to know, God, this is you. So he has this whole back and forth, and he says, okay, I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust you. So he steps out in faith, and he rallies people around him. He gets about 32,000 people to join up, and they're going to go and take on the Midianites, who numbered about 135,000. So they're already outnumbered by 100,000 people. But he says, God's with us. We can do this. And this is what God says. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, 
and you will strike down all the Midianites. Yes. The Lord said to Gideon, but you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands. Otherwise, these 32,000 people, they're going to boast, we did this on our own strength. So the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men, I'll save you. And I'll give the Midianites into your hands. And you've got to imagine Gideon's like, listen, we're outnumbered by 100,000. That's a great victory, God. We'll take it. (laughs) So he he does all these things, and he begins to whittle the number down from 32,000 down to 300. And they've got these 300 guys. And he says, now, uh, with these 300, you're going to see a great victory. You're going to accomplish something amazing. No, he says, with these 300, I will save you. With these 300, I will give the Midianites into your hands. In other words, it's not really about you. It's about your willingness to step out in faith. Because when you step out in faith, God says, now, I will take what you have given to me, and I will work through it. Faithfulness is always, 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 always met by God's power because it pleases God's heart. Gideon had to get to the point where he said, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I, I have faith that you've called me to this. I'm going to step out, and if you ask me to go with one person, 300 people, 3,000 people, or 300,000 people, it doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. It's my willingness to use what God has given me. So, God, I'm going to step out in faith. When you step out in faith, God responds because it pleases faith, pleases the heart of God. It pleases the heart of your heavenly Father. Anytime that you and I act in a way, behave in a way, respond in a way, live in a way that pleases God. God notices it, and God responds. When you give the way God asks you to give, you tithe to the local church, God notices it, and it pleases him. When you pray the way God asks you to pray, he hears your prayers, and he responds. When you forgive the way God asks you to forgive, it pleases the heart of your heavenly Father. When you're gracious the way he asks you to be gracious, when you love the way he asks you to love, when you serve the way he asks you to serve, when you live the way God asks you to live, it pleases the heart of your heavenly Father, and he responds. And when it comes to taking a step of faith, being a person of faith, this is what Hebrews 11 says, without faith... It is impossible to please God. But when you walk in faith, it pleases the heart of your heavenly Father. When you take a step of faith, not presumption, not just presuming God's going to bless everything I do, but you've prayed about it, you've sought wise counsel, you've heard the voice of the Lord, and then you say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. You say, I I know there's risk involved, but I'm going to step out in faith. God sees it. Your heavenly Father notices it. And he responds. See, it's more important to use what you have than to worry about what you have. Using what you have is far, 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 far more important than what it is you actually have. But you have to be willing to risk what you have. Gideon doesn't even want to risk the little bit of weed he has. So he's hiding in a wine press. But at some point you have to say the risk pales in comparison to the impact. The impact you make is always greater than the risk you take. Are you willing to take a risk? Or are you saying, I got to hold on to what I have. I mean, this might cost me and I don't know about this and I want my life to matter and I want to make an impact and I want to make a difference, but I don't think it's going to really matter. So why should I risk what I already have? And because we don't risk it, we don't step out in faith, then God's spirit doesn't move and empower it. But when you 
offer it, when you risk it, when you leverage your gifts, your personality, your passions, your gifts, your talents, your resources, your time, when you leverage all that for the cause of Christ, when you leverage that for, to advance his kingdom in the hearts and lives of people, when you invest that into the local church, God will take it, he'll breathe on it, he'll multiply it, he'll empower it, and he'll do something great through it. If you've ever seen a, a fire that's kind of just struggling, right? And when we, we fan it, we blow on it, and it jumps to life. Well, the breath of God, the, the ruah, that's the Hebrew word, it's, it means Breath, it means spirit, the spirit of God. When he breathes on what you give, it empowers it, it multiplies it, and it makes it far greater than what it would be on its own. But it means you have to step out in faith. Remember when the church was started some 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost? 50 days before that, Jesus was beaten, he was crucified, he was thrown in a tomb, and everyone thought it was over. The power of the Holy Spirit comes, raises Christ up, and for 40 days... Jesus meets with the apostles and they are scared to death, hiding in an upper room, thinking they're coming for us next. But what happens? The Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit moves in their lives and Peter stands up and says, I'm, I'm ready now, I'm gonna risk anything. I will risk my own life. If they kill Jesus, if they kill my Lord, if they kill my master, they may kill me, but it doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit empowered him. He stood up, risked everything, and in that moment, 3,000 people came to faith. 3,000, but he had to risk something. The risk you take pales in comparison to the impact that you make. We, we sang before about uh, David. Right? We all love David and Goliath, but David risked his life. He said, I'm going to risk my life, and a great deliverance happens. But if you're not willing to risk anything, you'll never make the impact that you want to make. And it's not so much about what you have. It's using what you have. It's risking what you have. It's leveraging what you have and saying, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to use this in a powerful way. And so Gideon does that. He steps out in faith, and this is the result. Thus, Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had 40 years of peace. He steps out, the Holy Spirit empowers what he does, and through 300 people, and really they didn't do a whole lot. They blew trumpets and made a lot of noise. God, God, God brought a great deliverance. But as a result, 40 years of peace. See, when we see a challenge, we see a trial, we see a difficulty, and it moves us, and we step out in faith, and God empowers us. Sometimes in that moment, we don't see the great impact that it makes. But here's what we learn from Gideon. The difference you make lasts beyond the moment you make it. Midian never raised its head again. They were done. They were done. And 40 years of peace, when you invest in some child... And some student, you might not see the immediate impact, but 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you have no idea the difference it makes. You've got a neighbor, a coworker, someone that their, their marriage is struggling and you invest in them and you help them and you, you pour your time and you risk some things because what if they reject you and say, I don't want anything to do with your God and your Jesus, but you invest some things and all of a sudden a marriage that went from falling apart to reflecting the love of Christ for his church and all of a sudden you don't just change that marriage and that family, but the whole course of those 
children and their lives and generations to come. You don't have any idea what the impact will be in the years to come. It's far greater than the moment that you make that impact. But we don't look at it like that. We look at the immediate and say, I guess it didn't matter. I mean, what difference did it really make? I don't think I can make a dent in this. But if we will look past the immediate, so you come to church and you serve and you open the door and you greet people, you serve in some capacity and you think, what difference does that make? But the person who walked through the doors of the church didn't have a relationship with God. And they're here and they're in this environment and they're hearing about the Lord and they feel welcome and loved. And you say, but, you know, am I really making a difference? Does it really matter? But that person comes into a saving faith with Jesus Christ and their life and their eternity is changed, but you don't even see it until you step into the eternal and they step into the eternal and you realize, wow, it mattered. It mattered, it mattered. See, there's two ways you can approach life. One is not to risk anything. One is to live a life that says, I'm not going to risk anything. I'm going to hold on to what I have. I'm going to live in fear, hiding in a wine press. I'm never going to invest. I'm never going to step out in faith. But I'm never going to really make the impact that I want to make or God wants to make through me. Or you can live a life that leverages your passions, your personality, your experiences, your gifts, your talents, who serve others, who give And you risk some things, but knowing that there's challenges out there. And if I attempt to meet those challenges and step out in faith, it will please the heart of my heavenly father. And as a result, he will empower it by his Holy Spirit. And I can make an impact that lives far, far beyond me. But you have to be willing to step out in faith. You have to be willing to get involved. So you have to look and say, where can I serve? Where can I make a difference? Listen, we have student ministry, middle school and high school. Listen, middle school boys, oh, they need all the help they can get. But, but children, I mean, we've got infants and toddlers and elementary. You can, you can pour your life into children. You can look for opportunities to make a difference. Lead a connect group, join the prayer team, be on the safety team. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're a singer, sing. If you're a worshiper, worship. If you're a musician, play an instrument. If you design, uh, do graphic design, help us online, help us with tech, help us with greeting, help us online. There's so many ways that you can get involved. But you have to say, I'm willing to leverage some things. If you're a counselor, counsel. But do something with what God's given you. Risk it. But I don't think it's going to make a difference. If you don't try, I can promise you, it won't. But if you'll try, if you'll step out in faith, if you'll say, I don't know if I can make a difference, God's saying, you might not be able to, but step back and see what I can do. Step back. Use what I have. Let me breathe on it and see what I can do through you. You may make an impact far greater than you ever, ever, ever thought possible. So look for a need. Look for an opportunity. Listen, you may say, I, I, there, there's, the needs are so big and I'm so small, okay? Meet one need. Take a shoebox and fill a shoebox. Make a difference in that one child's life. Or be really daring and take 10. Make a difference in 10 lives. You say, but there's hundreds and thousands of kids that need shoeboxes that need to hear about the love of Jesus. Okay, dig 100,000. Won't hurt my feelings. Make a difference. Invest where you can. You see a need in the community and say, that need's so big, I can't make a difference in that. Okay, 
You might not be able to, but take what you have, pray about it, step out in faith, risk some things, let God breathe on it and see what he wants to do. So if you were with us back in the spring, we had our our vision night, our annual meeting, and we talked about one thing that we want to do, and by God's grace, we're going to start to uh, move in this in, in 2023, is the whole need for affordable housing in this area. There are so many people that, that can't find affordable housing. Single moms, single parents, uh, you know, young families that are trying to start out, or retirees that are trying to say, I, I want to be able to eat in my old age. Whatever the, the, the need is, there's a huge need. Whatever the reason is, there's a huge need for affordable housing. And listen, I can't, I can't build a house for everybody that needs one. But by God's grace, next year, we're gonna build one, maybe two, and say, hey, we can start. We can make a difference there and then see what God does. Let his spirit breathe on it. And who knows, maybe we can help hundreds of families. There was an old man who used to love to walk on the beach. Every morning he'd wake up and he'd just like the solitude and the quiet of the beach and he'd walk and, and just think about life and sometimes he'd sit and journal and write. But he just loved that quietness of the beach. And one day, the night before, a huge storm had blown through and he got up as he normally did and he's walking on the beach and then out in the distance, he sees walking towards him someone. He doesn't know who it is. He can't make him out. There, there are ways down, but it's kind of just paying attention to him a little bit as he's strolling and he notices that every four, five, six steps this person would stop and they'd bend down. They'd crouch down, they'd grab something and throw it into the ocean and continue walking towards him and he continued walking. As he crested that, uh, that little dune on the beach, he realized that the storm had blown in the night before and stranded on the beach hundreds, thousands of starfish. And as he's walking closer, he's realizing that this person is stopping and every so often, they're picking up a starfish and flinging it back into the ocean. As he get closer still, he realizes it's a young boy. And so when they get in uh, shouting distance, he says, hey, son, what are you doing? The boy says, you starfish, they all are stranded here on the beach. And in just a few hours, the sun's going to be so hot and high in the sky that any of them that don't get back in the water are going to die. So I, I have to throw them all in and save them. And he says, young man, there, there are thousands of fish. There's thousands of starfish. You're not gonna be able to save them all. You're not gonna really make much of a difference. And at that, the young boy crouches down, grabs a starfish, throws it into the water. And he says, but I made a difference to that one. And that is how you have to see every trial as an opportunity. You might not be able to meet the mountain of need in front of you but can you make a difference in one life? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. and God, I ask by your Holy Spirit, oh God, begin to stir in our hearts. What needs do we see? What challenges do we face? What opportunities are there that we can make a difference in if we will simply step out in faith, if we will exercise our faith and trust that what we have placed in your hands, when your spirit blows on it, it can do something that lasts far beyond the moment. So God, help us to look with eyes of faith. Just right now, just pray. God, show me. Where do I think I can't make a difference? Where do I know that there's a need and I've refused to meet it because I don't think I can move the needle? I don't think I can make a dent. Just ask him. Where do I think what I have to offer isn't much so I don't bother offering it? God, is it our finances? 
Is it our time? Is it our gifts, our talents, our abilities? God, I'm asking, would you stir something in us that says, I want to leverage everything for your kingdom, for your glory, for your cause, for the cause of Christ. God, that I'll invest in the local church. Now, as you're praying and as God's speaking to you, I just want to talk to to everyone. But you just continue to pray. But maybe for some of you, you need to understand this. You might think, I can't make much of a difference because I don't have that whole relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here's the greatest thing that you need to understand. Jesus came to make a difference in your life. God looked at you. He looked at the mistakes that you made, that you will make. He looked at the mistakes that all of us would ever make. And he says, they can't do anything about it, but I can make a difference. And so God came in the person of Jesus Christ. God's own son. And he said, I'm going to make a difference by living a perfect life, something none of them could do. And so because he never made a mistake, he never sinned. He didn't deserve to die, but he willingly laid his life down and he was beaten and crucified and dead, placed in a tomb. But three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead. And because of that, if you accept that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if you give him your life, your mistakes, your failures, and receive new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, and he will make such a difference in your life. He will breathe his Holy Spirit inside of you. He will empower you to make a difference. But it starts by accepting the fact that Jesus came to make a difference in your life. So if you're here this morning, if you're joining us online, and you would say, I want to receive that difference-making relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Just right where you are, just raise your hand. If you're online, click the I want to commit my life to Christ. Say, I I want that. I need that. Now, if all of you would just stop praying and, and just repeat these words after me, whether you raised your hand or not. If you're a Christian and you believe this, wonderful. If you are praying this for the first time and you believe it, the exact words aren't what matter. It's the heart and the sincerity and the genuineness with which you pray it. But if you pray this and you mean this, you're going to enter a new life with Christ. So if everyone would say these words after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you now and I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for my sins, my failures, my mistakes. I give you my life and I receive new life in Christ. I can't make a difference on my own, but Jesus can make a difference through me. So change me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could tell others of your love, that I could live for you, and I would follow you all the days of my life. Thank you that Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for me. And until then, let me make a difference with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, when we finish here, please come forward. There'll be people that want to talk with you, help you take your next steps in this new life with Christ because you're not meant to live it alone. If you prayed that prayer online and you click the I want to commit my life to Christ button, there's another button that'll pop up and it'll say connect with us because we want to follow up with you and help you in this new journey. But now if everyone would stand to your feet and as we sing this next song, I want to invite you, if you'd like prayer, about something we talked about this morning, about anything going on in your life. We're going to have prayer teams up here. If you just want to come up and and just spend some time one-on-one on on your knees with God, that's fine too. But just allow these songs and this time to challenge you.
Where can I make a difference? I want to say one other thing. As I was praying this morning, I just sense in my spirit that there's some people here that maybe are struggling in their relationships, in their marriage. Their marriage is just, it's just, it's barely hanging on. Nobody else may know it, but you know it. God says, I, I, I can heal marriages. I can bring life where there only seems to be death. So just come and let someone pray with you. Maybe it's in a relationship with, uh, with, with your children or, or with a brother or sister, and it's just strained. And you say, I don't see any way that this can be fixed. You're right. You don't see any way. But God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Let him move in that. So if you'd like prayer about anything, but specifically about those relationships, as we sing these songs, come receive prayer and see what God wants to do.